Hey, welcome to another episode of Gilligan's Isle of ADD. I should just change my freaking name to that, shouldn't I? So, uh, you know how I bitched all through the winter about how it was cold and shady and yada, yada, yada in Canada? It's now Havana outside, so it's plus 30 Celsius, which you'll have to Google the, the Fahrenheit, and that's as good as it gets. Just FYI, and I'm freaking happy. My wife wants to wash the car. I think I'm going to do the vacuuming of the car. And, uh, yeah, uh, maybe make some something on the barbecue tonight. I haven't quite decided what, but, uh, yeah, that's going to be the plan. Anyway, uh, so here we go starting the podcast. So I'm totally fucking stoked to be playing in uh, at Tim's game on Monday. I get to play with... Matt and Tim and who I played with before, uh, Joe the lawyer, which I've never played with before, and I'm sure this is going to be fun. Eric Tankar, which I've been reading his blog since I sort of got into the whole OSR thing. So um, I'm fucking excited, and I think I'm going to try. I was telling Tim today, I think I need to try and find some dice, new dice for this session. I'm not going to go out and buy some because I'm, I don't know, I got a pound o dice. And I haven't used some, so there's some like brown and white ones that are kind of calling my name. I think I'm going to try those ones out. Um, when I was playing with Matt, I started using these green dice that I got in a it was a whiz bag or something, and they were they were rolling okay, but they didn't roll very well for being a player. And then I've used them a couple times DMing, and like holy crap, that's what they're for is rolling. The last Isle of Dread session, I rolled at least four, maybe five. 20s uh it was like it was crazy so uh, so i'm excited about that uh so yeah i think we play on monday and so i rolled up a character and then he only had like four hit points i'm like okay i'm not gonna last long so i rolled up another one and and i kind of liked that guy i'm not gonna get into his background because i don't want to ruin it in case matt is listening uh I, I don't know how much we're gonna get into the background or whatever and um uh, brain fart. And then I rolled up a re-rolled sort of the, the, the other character that had the terrible hit points, but I, I did some sort of changes and stuff. Um, so yeah, anyway, I'm excited. So he's going to be my backup character and the other guy scored, uh, one name only. Uh, he, <laughs> he's going to be my main guy. So yeah, I'm, I'm stoked for that. Should be fun. Um, yeah. Okay. Anyway, on to other stuff. So I've been listening to a lot of Froth's uh, uh, casts, and uh, if you look up Froth's D&D, I believe it is, um, the Thought Eater blog, that's the easiest way to find it, his anchor casts. And I know a lot of people, well, some people like to try and keep their podcast down to like 10, 15 minutes or whatever, but I really do appreciate Froth's casts, especially when... I'm at work doing something that's going to take me a little bit of time, and then I can really get into his episode. Um, I listened to his hump day one the other night on my way home. I had a 45-minute drive home by myself down a dark highway, and it was like it just kept me the whole time, which was awesome. And then I listened to his his Night Below latest recap, and oh, my God, that sounds like so much fun. Hey Shane, it's Tim Shorts of Gothridge Manor, your future GM. Uh, everybody in the group is really looking forward to you joining. Uh, and uh, don't worry about alignments. You play the guy the way you want to. I don't really 
worry about alignments too much. If your guy, uh, you know, if you feel your guy needs to do something, then, you know, go ahead and role play it and we'll deal with it. That's the fun part of the gaming. And I did laugh out loud when you were as Canadian. It's like, stab me in the back. Sorry, stab me in the back. Sorry. <laughs> oh, that was funny. Uh, and uh, what was the other thing? Um, it'll be a weekly game, Shane, as much as possible. And that, and like I said before, I play who with whoever shows up. So if everybody shows up, we play. And sometimes if only one person shows up, we'll still do something. So... Glad you're bored, Shane. Looking forward to it, bud. So in, in Froth's latest cast, he's talking about being in the moment when you're DMing and not trying to, like, I mean, there's an overall plot or whatever, but not trying to rush something, you know, like, okay, they got to complete this so they can get to this and I need them to get this thing done and yada, yada, yada. And he had rolled on, a random table and, and pulled up some stuff. And then the whole thing kind of went off the rails, but in a really genius way. And, um, I need more of that in my life and I need to, I need to be in the moment. I need to, and I know I have been in the moment when I've been DMing and I know I have been in the moment when I'm, I'm a player and I know I have been the opposite of that. Um, so, I think part of the problem is is when you're sort of prepping a campaign and you're thinking about things, then you you always have them in the back of your mind. Like, okay, this is how I foresee it. And we all know that uh, regardless of what you write or the adventure that is there, players are going to fuck that shit up every time. So it's never a good idea <laughs> to to be like completely stuck on, on one thing. And... When you have these abilities or these chances where you can kind of, you know, let go and just let things happen and it's funny and you play off each other and things start getting more silly and then you you end up to the point where you get these inside jokes that pretty much only everybody in the campaign or at the time of the game that was happening understand those are the kinds of things that I like and I live for. Um, and I think that just goes to, you know, when you like older school modules or even like sort of even the second or first edition modules, you know, there here's here's the the 32 page booklet and here's here's our idea. But it it's loose, you know, and you can kind of let it let it go and, and, and change. And I think like, as an example, I think pretty much everybody who's ever played Isla Dread probably starts off reasonably similar. And then the whole thing gets fucked up. And I don't think that anybody ever has the same circumstances, the same, well, not same circumstances, the same experiences. I mean, there might be some similar stuff, but it, I mean, it depends on the DM and the players and what they want to do and what hook catches them. Like, I'm just thinking in my head, like with the uh, Isla Dread. I kind of have this whole thing that's going to happen in Tenora when they get there. I have a funny feeling when they get there, they're going to go south and they're going to try and visit some of the other villages. And I think if I was a player, because I know a little bit about Isla Dread, and this is the problem, I want to go, I want to go north. I want to go in dinosaur land, you know, but, um, I think it just, you know, it depends on the characters and stuff. Anyway, I got, uh, 
it's some more stuff I want to talk about Isle of Dread after. Um, but yeah, if you get a chance, listen to uh, Frostcast because they're really good. And like I said, um, you know, there is something to be said for a short podcast and there's something to be said for long podcasts. And I really appreciate his hump day one because he keeps pulling out these things that I'm not seeing or they like he had mentioned, you know, the way Google Plus is uh, has, is gone now. There's lots of little things that we're missing nowadays. And I feel like while I'm really appreciating the community and the things that I'm seeing and the content that's coming up, I'm not seeing the whole swath, you know, and not that the whole swath was always good. Don't get me wrong, but I'm seeing a little less of the whole picture and I felt like I saw more of the whole picture before and it was partially because of the sharing thing I think you know if, if there was maybe I was following somebody who was following somebody else who shared something really weird and off the wall and DIY and stuff I would see that right but now there's not as much sharing happening at least on me, we anyway, or, you know, it, I don't think we're using it the same. We were trying to use it the same way we, we, as we were with G plus, but we're not really using it the way we used to. And it's partially because the platform is growing. Um, yeah. So. Hey Shane, it's Matt. You are far too Canadian. No, just kidding. Um, Calling in with uh, reference to your discussion about chaotic alignments, you know I've I've got a mixed history with that. I've seen players that are the type of person that simply want to see the world burn, and so in that situation, <clears throat> like your story where the guy locked the uh, spiked the door basically entrapping his fellow players to their doom. That, to me, as a GM, I wouldn't say that that's chaotic. I would say that that's more evil. And also, I would add that it's stupid because you're in a dungeon. You just trapped your allies in a room, which then means you are left alone. Oh, hey, got to pull a Jackson. It's Matt, part two. Uh, I, I think that's that's stupid, <clears throat> personally, but I also think that it, that's just the kind of player that I don't want to have in a group. That tends to lean a bit into the player versus player mentality that I think came about primarily because of the video game industry. And that's just not something that I want to get into. And, and, you know, as a player, I would be pretty upset because I think you're right. There is an unwritten social contract between at least the characters, but also with the players. You know, you're correct, I think, in assuming that everybody is there for the party's benefit. And maybe you have agendas in addition to that, but I don't think you should have agendas opposite to what the party is. Unless you're playing some sort of, you know, evil character, or, you know, that the GM and you've worked out a plan or something. <laughs> anyway, there you go. So I think that's the thing. I, I think most of us, when we get into a game, it's still that we're, you know, we're all for one and one for all. Uh, or at least that's the way I feel every time I, I play a game. I mean, like like Matt was saying, I mean, maybe there's a background thing there and there may be that chance, 
you know, when you're on the road and you've got the assassin and the paladin and they've stood by each other's side through thick and thin and then all of a sudden there's a fork in the road and the paladin wants to do what is right and the assassin wants to do what is easy. Those are the times when the DM can really get excited and or not get excited but but do something fun that's going to test both players you know i think that's where alignment gets exciting not doing some weird shit in the heat of battle that is really gonna basically checkmate the rest of the group um yeah like the one I have to say, the one thing I really liked about Five E was the backgrounds. And when I started writing for the group I was playing with, uh, and was thinking sort of ahead of the starter set, um, and I was looking through everybody's backgrounds, and I was trying to figure out a way to lure them all in with the Quantum Ogre, but I wrote in everybody's specific background. I looked through it, and I kept trying to figure out a way to hook each individual player with exactly what was written in their background, but within the grand scope of things. And that's more, I, t- to me, it's more exciting than just chaotic neutral written on a, on, on a piece of paper. Um, it's the one thing I love about 5e, actually. I have to admit, I love sort of the background character part of it. Um more than just reading a, you know, two sentence paragraph of, you know, alignment. And this is, this is what it means to be. Cause I, I honestly think that 90% of the time, everybody is basically neutral. Um, you know, like, Oh, here's a good thing. We might get money. Okay. We're going to be good guys. And then, you know, <laughs> here's an evil thing. Eh, well, you know, we'll be evil guys for a bit because there's money involved. Uh, or ale, or whatever other substance that needs to happen. So I have a sneaky suspicion this is going to become a bit a long of an episode, and I apologize. Um, but yeah, there's a couple things on my mind. So this is that I'm going to wrap it up quick. Um, so we did our second session of I Love Dread, and I'm having my typical ADD gamer thing where I want to I want to do this and I want to do that, and oh, this is exciting, and blah, blah blah blah, and I have to keep reminding myself about just be in the moment and have fun, and I'm playing D and D and be happy. Um, and as a side note, like my great niece uh, came and hang out, hung out at uh, the last D and D session, and she just got out of the hospital. She had a what we found out later was very major surgery. Um, so I was really happy just to have her here and smiling and hanging out. And so I'm in the middle of rolling dice and trying to act up. And then she walks up and like, cheese. And I'm like, okay, here's your cheese, kid. You know, uh, those kinds of things. Like, it, it's good. It makes me happy. So, um, yeah. Anyway, so what happened in the second second session they're still in Specularum, and they're trying to figure out a way to get... They're such cheapies. They're trying to figure out a way to get their best bang for their buck. So they were offered uh, a boat from the Merchants Guild for like $1,500 to $2,000, depending. So it was $1,500 gold, uh, but they'd have to give 10% of any income they brought back from... Or gold or treasures or whatever from Isle of Dread. 
or 2,000 gold and then like 5%. And then they met this old like rickety sailor guy named Ramses. And they managed to get swing a wicked deal with that guy. It was 1750 and 2%. And the 2% was going to, and I can't remember. Um, I think it was just sort of like a shady pirate organization. Anyway, they're still looking for some money. So they decide, and this is so typically players. I had sort of set up this rumor that, you know, there was this werewolf that was in sort of the poor district and it was it was hunting people and so like the first comment i get was like oh jack the ripper and i'm like fuck yeah that was kind of what i was thinking but it yes okay so then they go out and they're gonna go and look for him and as is typical D D, like it happens that night you know they find the werewolf uh and it happens to be a full moon um anyway so i didn't think they were gonna do this but they used one of the players for the bait Yes, thank you, players. I would never have thought of that. So they get in a big fight, and one of the characters get bit. And then after the fight, they kill the werewolf, yada, yada, yada. Then one of the players says, oh, okay, well, we should get healed. And there's Trolidarians and there's Thyrations. And then the one sort of cleric in the group is the Church of Havlav. So I made it like super Heaven's Gate kind of <laughs> cult and you know of course they're they like they get there and there's like a secret password and i said well you know what was the secret password and it was of course uh stefan's name you know like the the duke of Camercos or whatever baron and uh so my wife she's playing that character and she looks at her uh she, she goes stefan i'm like fuck okay awesome so they get in there uh, and that's those little nuggets you can put in if people are reading the backgrounds. Anyway, they get in there and uh, they, I say, okay, well, it's 600 bucks to heal the werewolf. And because, uh, you know, it's fresh or whatever. And I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, I need to make a price list for these things because I need a DM book that has like basically one answer per page of weird shit that comes up but the only way i'm ever going to write it is if i play D D for like 40 years and then have that book for future generations <laughs> um so they get him healed up and then that was basically it for the session but it was there's a lot of back and forth and a lot of things happening and stuff and i don't know it was it was fun so i'm looking forward to the next one they're going to get to sonora i've decided that um oh they they did shove off sorry uh they got into a fight with some sharks and the weather was turning sour and that's kind of where we left it off so uh yeah they're gonna get there and i've decided the zombie masters are under the control of the corpu and i think at some point in time the corpu are going to kind of order 66 the zombie masters and so the whole thing is is that the zombie masters have been creating these zombies for centuries and you know this has been the thing and the corpu finally have enough sort of ability to like push out their sonic ability to you know the people that they've connected with and actually take them over and they turn the zombies against the villages and so the villages fight them off and now we're left with not seven strong villages but like at the most a half a village left of people um 
that maybe might be in Tenora, or maybe Tenora is burnt to the ground and it's another village. I haven't quite decided. Um, so yeah, I think that might be kind of interesting. And then maybe you have cannibals with just sort of regular villagers. Uh, so I don't know. I'm, I'm excited, but anyway, yeah. Okay. So that's it for this one.